hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for returning. I'm glad to have all my new listeners here today. I thank all my return listeners um, that is coming on this journey with us. I'm around week, I don't know, 28, maybe something like that. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have a new guest on the show with me today. Um, He's been a friend of mine, I don't know, about a year, I guess. I I don't really know how long it's been, but I think at least a year I've known him. Um, Really cool guy. We are going back to a topic that I really um, am passionate about here. We've talked about it now. Probably this is the third episode in about a month or a month and a half. So let me welcome my guest. His name is Danny Hernandez. Hey, Danny. Hey, Kai. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. Danny is joining me from, it's Washington, right? Yes, I'm out in Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma, Washington. So um, Danny is here with me from Tacoma, Washington. You guys know I'm in the Atlanta area. Um, And we are, today we're going to talk about life insurance again. So we already did 101 and I did a little other kind of half episode. We talked about some other stuff, but today we're going to talk about some, um, what word should I use? Some... Mm -hmm. Strategies. There it is. Strategies. Thank you. I always lose my words. Strategies. But first, let me go back a little bit. Let me tell you guys about Danny because I know about Danny, but you guys don't know about Danny. So Danny is a husband to a phenomenal wife, man. Let me tell you, if I get a chance to marry her, I'm going to marry her. So Danny's <laughs> wife, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this plug. You're going to give the business because I don't even know if she has a business name. But Danny's wife is like this excellent baker. OK, and you guys know I'm a dessert addict, fanatic, crazy person. And Danny's wife, <laughs> she does these incredible desserts that he shares on his page all the time. So um, does she have a business name, Danny? Is it a she business? doesn't. She she was oh. doing that as like a part time hustle. And then like it started like taking too much of her time and she, she had to cut it back a little bit. But Uh-oh. Uh-oh. yeah, put her out there. I'm sorry. Do we need to cut no, you're this out? Good. She still does them sometimes. But yeah, she, she loves it. All right. Well, if you get a chance to check out Danny's page, sometimes he'll share some of her like, oh, man, her de- her desserts look so delicious. Uh, what's your wife's name too? Let's give her a shot. Damaris. Out. Damaris. Damaris. You know, I'm your number one fan across the country. You have those beautiful desserts. I'm looking forward to, to um, trying one one day. So, all right. So he is a husband <laughs> to his phenomenal <laughs> wife. They also have two beautiful little girls. Um, Danny was actually a Starbucks supervisor for 10 years. So we were just talking about that. I had no idea. Um, I'm not necessarily a Starbucks girl, but you know, they're doing great. And now he's a broker or junior broker with PHP agency incorporated. So he now is, um, one of my partner friend partners in insurance in the insurance industry. So we've been having these great discussions over the last several months about different strategies, like we talked about, and, um, just trying to encourage people to be sure they at least buy life insurance. Just know about it, start somewhere, buy insurance, let somebody help you. So now I have another contact for you guys here in Washington. He also has a license in other states, but Danny, go ahead and take a minute and tell them anything you'd like people to know about yourself. Oh, about myself. Um, 
I mean, you basically or said your business. it all. Uh, I was a, my business, I'm licensed in, I believe, 15 different states. Uh, this month, I should be hitting my broker status once all my numbers go through. Um, but it's been a fun ride. And the fact that, you know, we get to learn and teach other people about how they can use life insurance to create generational wealth. I had no idea about this stuff beforehand. Like the only thing I knew was how to make lattes and make friends. <laughs> I didn't really know too much about making money until until uh, I started meeting you and started, you know, increasing my circle and started thinking differently about money. So uh, the only thing I could really say about life insurance is if you don't have it, your own individual life insurance, go out there and get it because, you know, jobs are it's jobs aren't always permanent. Things are always fluctuating, especially with today's economy. So it's important to make sure that you have yourself covered in case worse comes to worse. And, and life insurance is for more than just death. Like life insurance can actually work for you while you're living, which is some of the things we're actually going to be talking about on this episode. And I'm looking forward to talking about that. All right. So Danny, I don't know, you may see the date. Danny did a post. This is one of the first reasons that I decided he was going to be on the show. And I, you may have done this post. I don't know if it was even before I started the podcast, to be honest, because this was a while ago. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. it was probably before before November <laughs> 1st, he did this post. And um, it, it always stuck in my memory. Um, I thought it was a very powerful post. Um, I, I would hope it would be intriguing to people that don't even know a lot about life insurance. Um, but there's a lot of kind of hidden gems and if you really read a policy thoroughly and you understand it, there's a lot of things you can do with life insurance, like you said, other than just pay for your death. Um, there's a lot of benefits to it. So Danny did a post. I cataloged the post in my memory, literally in my brain. Couldn't remember exactly what it said. Didn't remember all the words in it, but I remember the post. And so I reached out to Danny and asked if he would come on and he would discuss it a little bit. Um, why he wrote it, what, you know, what it meant, how it works. And, um, you know, just give you guys a little bit of knowledge again, around what, what you can use life insurance to do for you, even while you're living. Yeah, for sure. That post was talking about generational wealth and it's something that I've always been thinking about. Cause you know, growing up, we're always thinking about ways to pass down money. I don't know if, if you talk about religion or, or not on, on your podcast, but I know there's a, a scripture in the Bible that says a, a man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children's children. And it's not just a man, you know, men, women, whoever. But when I heard that growing up, I it was ingrained in me at a young age that, man, I got to do something to be able to make sure that my family's family's taken care of and go as deep as possible. But I never had that opportunity at a regular job. So when I found out about life insurance, before actually getting into the field, I always thought it was just for, for death, you know, because life insurance has to do with your life, car insurance has to do with your car. But when I actually started digging deeper, my dad uh, introduced me to this book. It was called, um, Be, uh, I think it was called Becoming Your Own Bank by Nelson Nash. And uh, he told me to check it out on how to use life insurance because I was just getting into the field. And I, I sent you that book as well because I thought it was super intriguing. It was concepts that I've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And it really just like, <laughs> do you remember in the Matrix or Morpheus is like, you got the red pill and the blue pill. This is like taking the red pill. Like, all right, my eyes are open now. I can see everything. And uh, I came across this post that I shared for, uh, that kind of like really opened it all up on how to create generational wealth using life insurance. Now, it starts off by saying you go out and get yourself a term policy, $500,000 term policy. You and I both know that a $500,000 level term policy for a healthy person 
between the like around 25, 35, something like that, the cost of the policy is basically anywhere between 20 and $40. Like it's super affordable, right? Mm -hmm. That's the great thing. So if something happens to you down the line, that half a million dollars passes on to your kid, right? And in that post, it goes on to saying, you take that money that the child receives that half a million dollars, you turn around and use 50,000 of it to completely buy a $1 million life policy on them without them having to use their own money. This is money that they received from that half a million dollars. So you investing into your life, preparing for your family's future, putting in that 20 to $40, whatever it might be, that's like what a tank of gas, maybe less depending on the vehicle that you drive, like mm -hmm. you're setting your family up and it continues cycling down. So now your child pays for their complete, their entire life insurance policy from the benefits received from that original death benefit. And the whole thought process on it is basically like a trickle down rainfall effect. When, when I saw that post, I said, holy moly, this is how people are doing things. Like we don't talk about life insurance growing up. We didn't ever talk. I didn't talk about it. I didn't know anything about it. Nobody in my family knew about it. My family didn't even believe in it. But once I understood that concept, I said, man, I got to share this with more people. And, and so did you, which is why you started this podcast, which is why you're out there educating people as well. And it's, um, it's, I can definitely dive into more into that actual post. Um, but yeah, so it, you have the post as well. I sent it to you, but yeah, I don't want to, I like having a conversation with it. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. So let's, I'm trying to make this for people. Obviously you guys can't see it and I'll share it. I'll share it. Um, when I release the podcast, I'll show, I will also share the post so you guys can see it. But um, just to give you kind of an understanding from your listening to it. So what he said was somebody, you buy life insurance. Okay. I buy life insurance or he buys or, or the listener buys life insurance. You buy even a half a million dollar policy, 500,000. You leave it to your beneficiary, your child, one or two, however many children. When you pass away and that money goes to the child as a beneficiary, maybe the surviving spouse, if there's a surviving spouse, or if the child is old enough themselves, they buy another policy on their life for either this one says for a million dollars, I believe, right? So you yes. take, you take the cash from the policy that you just received, you fully fund another life insurance policy on yourself. So your parent passed away, you take funds from the, the policy that you just received from your parent that passed away, you fully fund your own life insurance policy, which means you're not going to make monthly payments or annual payments, pay the full thing up front. It's fully funded. So you make the payment one time. You don't have to worry about it ever again in the future. You leave the beneficiary as your child. When you pass away, the process just continues. They're going to receive the funds. They're going to take a portion of those funds because they're getting cash up front. They're going to fully fund a policy for themselves, leave their child as a beneficiary, make that one-time payment. So you're not having to worry about making it monthly or quarterly, annually, just there. Talk to your insurance agent. You can fully fund a life insurance policy. They can give you one price to cover it for the lifetime. And you just continue this process over and over again so that um, it's not a it's not a stressor. It's not a worry that it's not being paid in the future because you're making the one-time payment. And I don't know how to stress the importance of this. <laughs> like, do you put it in your will? Do you put it in your trust? But 
I think, like you said, we have to talk to our children about the importance of doing this so that when it is, when they do receive the funds, they don't go out and just buy, they got a half a million dollars, they buy a half a million dollar house. Okay. You got a half a million dollars, but you only want to spend 450,000 of it. You really don't want to spend that much. But anyway, you want to pull out that money that you need to full that fund that life insurance policy. So you're sure that it's going to roll over for your child and then your child's child, which will be your grandchild and then your great grandchildren. So you want to keep this process rolling forward. And Danny, like you said, I mean, you can jump in where you want to. One of the um, largest hurdles that we have to get over is explaining this to our family. It's somehow, I don't know if yeah. it needs to be family meetings I definitely will put it in writing in a will in your trust or whatever family documents you have so that you, so that people are aware, this is how you want it to go. Exactly. And that's where you would have that will and trust. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that you can use a will and trust to specify how those funds are distributed. Absolutely. Right. And the whole thought process on this is okay. The person who actually starts this generational wealth cycle, let's say it's the listener or you and myself, they can specify how that's going to be used. So it's okay, when I pass away, a certain portion of this has to be used to pay up another policy in full. Now, mind you, this money that's being used to take care of the child or the grandchild's policy is not coming out of their own pocket. This is coming from the benefits of the, the death benefit that came out. And that death benefit comes out from us paying our 40, 50, 60, whatever it might be, a month towards that policy. So, okay, cool. My child receives a half a million dollars in my will, my trust. It says they got to buy up a, a whole nother policy worth a million dollars at their age, the younger they are, they're going to have uh, more to put towards it, which means they're, it's going to be cheaper for them because they're younger if they don't have any underlying diseases or anything going on there too. But that process on there, like I know for my family, we never really talked about money unless it was a struggle with money. Uh, I know my family, I grew up here and my parents, uh, argue about money. I saw a lot of things happen because of our lack of money. Growing up, I knew what it was like to be homeless. Like we didn't have, we didn't get our first apartment until I was in, I think second or I think it was second or third grade. I just remember us going from bouncing from house to house, uh, surviving on peanut butter and jelly and ramen. We had one of those Ford vans, you know, that I don't remember what they're called, but the back seat like moved into like a bed. Mm, like the Econo vans or something. I don't remember what the name yeah, yeah. were back then, but yeah, the Econo was lines. the Econo one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I remember the little air, the airplane lights at the top. I loved it. We had and, one. Um, <laughs> yep. And that's where we stayed in for, you know, from time to time. Um, but growing up, I never got to see the benefits of hard work. The only thing I got to see from hard work was my parents not being there. You know, me not having any money to, to get my physical for basketball or anything like that. But this is not about me and what I went through. This is about us breaking that habit of not talking about money. Like we have to talk about money to, to make sure that our kids don't go down that same cycle. Because if we don't talk about money, our kids are not going to know about it. If we talk about money in a negative way, their only way they're going to see money is in a negative light. Yep. And, and money is just energy. So if you got positive energy, money is a positive thing for you. You got negative energy, money's a negative thing for you. So it's important to develop that mindset to strengthen that muscle for our kids. And like, I, I teach my kids, I got a dream wall over in the, in the living room where it's just a bunch of pictures of things that they want to do, things that they want, 
places that we all want to go back to like I got pictures of Japan up there I got pictures of the house that um that my wife and I want I got pictures of the rooms that both of my kids want some of the things that they want to get like my kid wants this big drawing tablet because she's an artist she wants to be a an anime and, and manga artist she wants hmm. to move to Japan and um, I got that wall up there so every time they see me on zoom calls or if they see me on the phone they know that I'm hustling for them and they know that I'm working for us to get everything that we said we're going to fight for because I don't want them to see any type of struggle or negativity with money any type of conversations my wife have that might be negative with money is done away from the kids because I want them to see like hey if you what we're talking about with money is is to benefit them but it's not always money you know what I mean there's got to be a balance between it but um yeah the, this whole concept about using life insurance to create that generational wealth that that snowball it's such a it's something that I wish we learned in high school rather than the Pythagoras Pythagorean theorem or something like that you know like I failed <laughs> algebra pie. like three exactly <laughs> I failed algebra three times if I couldn't count dollars it didn't make sense to me like if when it came to math problems for for money and stuff that was not a problem but as soon as I had to go into like everything else I, I flunked so um but yeah th this is something that I feel like we can teach and, and it starts with reading you know mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki's book uh Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first entrepreneur mindset book that I read that my dad gave to me when I was in high school. And when I, when he gave me the book, he said, I want you to read this book. It's going to help you in the long run. And me being in high school, I was like, you know, whatever. I'm like, why is, why is he giving me a book about two dads? Like I don't plan on, you know, marrying another guy or something, but I said, all right, I trust my dad. And uh, I read it and he broke down that cash flow quadrant on how we actually earn our money. And I said, I thought the only way to make money was going a job. to get a job or that's what school teaches or going you. to exactly. They say, go to school, get a good job, get your pension and you're going to retire fine. But we're seeing most of America is not having that opportunity to retire with dignity, dignity. The average um, retirement balance is what I think is a hundred. I think the other day I read was like 120,000, 140,000, something like that. And the retirement age is ridiculous. I mean, it's increased you know, social security. Yeah. They keep increasing it. Um, it, okay. So jobs want to, especially our seniors, they're trying to buy the seniors out. So the older generation that still have these pension plans, uh -uh, they don't want those pension plans. So they're trying to get them to retire sooner. Our government is trying to get them to retire later. <laughs> so you're like stuck in this, this voided area. Do you have enough in your pension plan to retire? And if you don't, the government doesn't want to give you your max benefits until you're at least, what is it now, 67 or 71 or some crazy number, 69? Something around there between 67 and 72. I don't remember exactly, but it's it yeah. keeps increasing. Exactly. Right. So your job and, wants you to leave earlier, but the government wants to pay you later. So where do we make up that, that difference? Exactly. Um, so that's, that's why... That's where we could use, you know, life insurance to become your own bank to actually supplement that retirement. It can either supplement it or be the sole focus, right? Um, and it's it's not something that's it's not an investment vehicle because if you say it's an investment vehicle, you mean it means that you could have the potential to lose. But in life insurance, you don't lose. Like my clients didn't lose any money. Every time the market drops, my clients are safe. Like yeah, oh. they're not making amazing gains or anything but they're protected every time so last year between february and march we saw the market drop 40 percent mm -hmm. we saw what happened 
2007, 2008 with the housing market. I think it was 2000, 2001 with the, the dot-com bubble. It's like a cycle that continues going, but people still feel like, hey, I need to put my money into real estate. Hey, I need to put my money in a 401k. It's like, okay, how many times do you have to lose until you realize that these regular vehicles that we're being told to get set up with is not necessarily the only way to build wealth? Okay, so- we got to think outside of the box. Those cycles. So the last time the cycle happened was, I guess, a little bit over 10 years ago. So I was in my thirties. I was in, you know, my late, mid, mid, late thirties. And I remember them telling, I remember um, my 401k, you know, I was, I was an employee at that time. I was a manager and I can remember our HR department you know, sent out all these notices and our 401k company. And they're like, well, you know, you've got time. I specifically remember them saying this, you've got time to rebuild your account up. Yes. We know you just lost a hundred thousand dollars, but you're only in your thirties. And so you've got this time horizon. You still have at least 20, 30 years to re that's what they told people. You have time to rebuild your account. So lucky for me, I'm in my thirties. I've got time to rebuild it, but what about the employees that were in their late fifties or early sixties? Like they don't have time. So now that the cycle is coming back around again, well, after it happened the first time, that was not a sufficient answer for me. Number one, I, I didn't, I don't care how much time I have. I just lost money. I'm not happy about it. And I don't want to hear about, I have time to rebuild it. So I made a dramatic change in how I structured my investments that year. I was like, yeah, this will not happen to me again. And I'm thankful to say it's not going to happen to me again because over the last 10 years, I've changed my structure. Um, but I'm saying all that to say that um, yesterday I did a life insurance presentation. Somebody asked me to do a presentation and I pointed out to people, quote unquote, it's not an investment. We can't call it an investment tool or vehicle, but it is the one place you can invest money that has a 100% guarantee. So you are investing money as you pay premiums. You know, you send money every month to the, the company or annually, whatever it is. But I can guarantee you, as long as it's in, um, it's in force at the time of your death, I can guarantee you a payment. So... Yeah, legally, we can't call it an investment, but it, anytime you're putting money into something, you're investing. But I can guarantee you it's going to pay this much out. Now, what I can't tell you is if you pay, I don't know at what point it's going to pay out. So depending on the contract you have, I'm not wishing death on anybody either. I don't know if it's going to pay out for you next week, next year, 10 years or 20 years from now. I have no idea. But what I do know is it's going to be a guaranteed payout. So why wouldn't you take a risk in buying something that you know for sure is going to pay out? Because once you qualify, it's going to pay out. If you keep it in force, it's going to pay out once you qualify. Um, so that's a good risk. For me, it's a good risk. It is. Calculated risks. And it's funny you say that you were, you know, you were working at the time a 2007, 2008 happened and they told you that you have a time horizon. It's like, okay, so now you're putting this fan fancy word in front of my face to ease the fact that all this time that I worked to accumulate this money just got swiped. It's a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like it hurts. It hurts. I've had clients where they've felt the, the pain of like, there was one client who had a, close to like half a million in the account. 
and this was with my, my broker. He had about half a million in the account. And a couple months later, uh, when the pandemic started, he had, he lost close to like a hundred and I think it was a hundred thousand, 120,000, something like that. And, um, he, when I saw that, I said, man, this, this is crazy. Like we are working hard to earn this money, whatever it is that you do for work, you're trading time for money or you're, mm-hmm. you're trading skills for money or whatever. But when we take that loss, that time that we de- devoted to earning that money gets wiped. And just like you said, the people who are looking to retire at that time, how are they going to make up the time? They don't right. have that time, that flexibility to do it. So that me, like I'm an empath. I, I pick up energy really easy. I can relate to people really easy. They call me the crybaby in the office because sometimes the emotions just overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. But I put myself in their shoes and I'm like, I could not imagine having to tell my family, I have to go back to work or you can't go to college or I can't afford this house anymore. Like my family's future means so much to me that I I can't, I can't rely on somebody else to take care of it. I can't rely on the government to take care of it because time and time again, we've seen that every time we rely on somebody else to take care of us, the ball gets dropped. Mm -hmm. This is why it's important for us to take take charge of our finances, educate ourselves. You don't have, you don't even have to get educated by other financial professionals like ourselves. I mean, take the time out to go read a book, right? We can give you three (laughs) or four book um, recommendations that will help you tremendously. And I'm, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book is written very um, basic. I mean, very, it's very easy read is what I'm trying to say. Anybody over anybody in middle school, I mean, you can give a middle schooler that book and uh, that they can understand it. He's even got a uh, comic books for kids oh, uh, that broke that breaks down the uh, rich dad, poor dad. I have the cash flow quadrant game that I picked oh, up we from have the, kids. Yeah, we have the game. We have the cash flow quadrant. <laughs> it's over here. fun. It's like it's like, oh, man, you just picked up another another liability. Like, how are you going to make up that the money for that? You got an asset or a liability and it starts training them to think differently because like. I, I know when I grew up, my money immediately went to records. My money immediately went to new Adidas. My money went <laughs> to new comic books, things, you know, stuff that wasn't going to appreciate in, in over time, maybe comic books or, or records, but I never looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, him making that book made it easier for my kids to understand what an asset and a liability. So now my, my oldest, she's 12. She's going to be 13 in December. My God, wow. she's a, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. But now she, and before when we used to go to the mall, she would want to take money out to go buy candy all the time. But now she's like, mm, no, I'm going to save my money to get this, to get that, whether it's a new drawing pad or whatever else. So it's definitely helping kids to think differently. But anyways, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, uh, I mean, again, on your post, the only thing I'm thinking about with that is it makes me nervous that, that the the per the what am I trying to say? The person in the family in the household that decides they're going to start this process for their family. The the part that makes me nervous is that the ball gets dropped. Whether it's the next generation, the second, the third generation, whatever generation, the ball gets dropped. So, I am sitting over here contemplating how do we get around that? Okay, if you take the time to make a trust, and you leave your um. Your, your death benefits to the trust. So there's a trustee that's going to govern the funds. And, you know, you hear about them on TV and the movies all the time. Little Joey can't get his trust fund until he graduates from college. Um, 
you know, Jessica can't get her trust fund until she's at least 30. You know, I have a friend whose, whose mom left his money in a trust. And I remember how hers was written. He could receive um, one part when he graduated from college. There was another portion released when he turned 25. And I think there was a third release when he turned 30. So she left that in the trust that he, there were three payouts. So college graduate was one, 25 years old was another, and 30 years old was another. So if you left it to a trust, you could easily in the trust say, hey, I'm leaving all these funds. Maybe they can't receive any funds until they've got that life insurance policy in place. That would get them to get it quickly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's a good way to make sure, because like when we're younger, we're not thinking about generational wealth. We think about balling, mm-hmm. thinking about showing off clout, whatever you want to call it. I'm not up to terms with all these new terms, but um, it's, I, I realized with the trust, how many different things that you can do. And I, I noticed one thing, I don't know who watches anime, but I like watching anime. I grew up watching anime. There's one anime called Violet Evergarden. And my daughter wanted me to watch it because uh, she said it was very emotional and that it would make me cry. Well, me being the man of the house, I can't cry in front of her, right? So I had to make sure I was hiding. But there's an episode where she went out to go help this person write all these letters. And we didn't know what the letters were for. We, we were for. We just knew that the, the client had a ton of letters that she needed written. Well, we found out that the client was dying. And what the client did was she wrote all these letters for her child, her daughter or her son, I don't remember. But every year that the child got older, a letter would go out to this child. And it made me think about life insurance and trust because with the trust, with your life insurance and this trust, you can say, okay, on, on my kid's 21st birthday, you know, buy this, this flower set from this local uh, florist, mm-hmm. get this, send this letter that I hand wrote while I was still alive to my kid as if I was still here. And it's like, okay, even thinking about it has me emotional. It is very emotional. Because it's more than just leaving money behind. It's leaving yourself behind, your love behind. What you would have done, right? What I would have done for you if I were there. And, you know, and I got to say that it makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, I had a home birth. My daughter was home birth. And my midwife, that was one of her big things, your birth story she kept stressing about me writing my birth story soon after I gave birth. She's like, you know, as years go on, you forget little details and blah, blah, blah. And that was really important for her as my midwife. It was really important for her to stress to me that she wanted me to write out my birth story so that when my daughter was older, you know, whether I wanted to leave it in the trust or just give it to her when she turned 21 or maybe when she's pregnant, you know, whatever. But she, she stressed that she wanted me to write it out so that my daughter had the story and she understood, you know, what happened when she entered the world. Um, likewise, when I did my trust, my attorney did the same thing. He said, he gave me a form, like you had to fill out all these things to do my trust. And in the trust, I had to do a letter as well. So um, not as detailed. I like the one you said, like several letters. But, you know, he did require that I make at least one letter to explain uh, to, I'm not saying justify, but really to explain what was the purpose of this trust? What did I hope for her future? How did I hope that she would use and spend the money? Um, So, yeah, 
I, I like that. I like that. I think I'm going to go back to these letters as well. That that was a good reminder because now it's been 10 years since I wrote the last one. Wow. Just imagine though, like that's a great way to pass down stories. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to pass down your legacy. Like for Kai, like for you, like everything that you work hard for, whatever feelings that you have. Like I know for me, I've been planning on writing letters from, from both of my girls um, to give to them when they're 18 and every year afterwards, I just never set the time aside for it. And now that I'm talking about it, I need to make that happen. Um, but my, my mentor, his name is Matt Sapala. He has multiple um, policies set up and he has it set up. So when he passes his, his wife and his kids will receive a certain amount of money. They'll receive that certain flower set. And when they, um, when they get married, a significant significant event happens. They'll have a certain amount of money that goes towards that. They want to buy a house. Some of that, the death benefit goes towards that. And it made me realize that you can still be here for your family when you're no longer on this earth. Mm-hmm. And it's when in the book, in uh, Becoming Your Own Bank by Nelson Nash, he was a forester beforehand. Mm-hmm. His job was to basically build forest, take down forest, whatever it was, whatever a forester does. But the way that he was thinking was not from month to month. It's, it's like hundreds of years, years yeah. in time. And it's, it, that made me think like, wow, I need to start thinking for more than just my next two years, my next five years. I need to start thinking more for my next, the next tree that I'm planting now, the seed that I'm planting now, when it grows up 50, hundred years from now, what is the world going to look like for that tree? Our, our kids, and um, life insurance gives you that possibility to actually think further and act further with just the little actions that you take today. So since you brought it up, let's um, let's roll over into that book, too. So that was the <sighs> other <laughs> the other concept that I wanted to talk about, because that one, you know, really got me. Um, I've read that book twice and I read a uh, kind of a supplemental book to it, too. So I've read that book twice. I've read another book a, a third time. Um, do you think we can explain this concept? I think we can explain it without the them reading infinite it. banking. Yes. It's whew, yeah. infinite banking. Like, are you okay? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it's such a fun, <laughs> it's such a fun thing because I had no idea that it was that that option was available to us as just regular people. And you, you know, know how I frustrating was, that is for me, because by time I learned about it, I have already been in the business for 19 years, 18, 19 years. Wow. Why am I just learning about this? I've been selling life insurance that many years. And I just heard about this for the first time. Wow. That's alarming. Yeah, I could well, have put this into play 19 years ago, but I never knew about it. Yeah. It's Wow. Wow. wow that, that's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I was under the assumption that many life insurance agents knew about it. Um, but in the book, he clearly explains that not even the front desk person knows about it. Nope. And um, if you haven't picked it up, definitely pick it up. Uh, Nelson, I think it's Nelson R. Nash, uh, Infinite Banking. You can even look it up on YouTube, the Infinite I'm Banking look concept. It up in just a second. But um, it's, it's great because he talks about using cash value and your life insurance. And we know there's a lot of people that say cash value is not the way to accumulate wealth. Well, I don't know what the heck they're talking about because where else can you put your money in that's liquid, meaning you can pull that out whenever you need it. It's safe, meaning when the market drops, guess what? Your money's still protected. Where else can you go that you're going to get guaranteed increase in your money 
hello. And where else are you going to be able to pull out that money tax-free, right? I thought that when you had money in a cash value policy, you had to make withdrawals. No, no, no. You take out loans on them bad boys and you become your own bank. And the way that works is, let's say you have $100,000 built up in cash value in that policy, in an index, a properly structured index universal life policy. You don't even have to be $100,000. It could be $10,000, $5,000, whatever. You take out a loan on the money that you already have in there. You got to pay interest back on that loan. But guess who's earning that interest? (laughs) Yourself. You're paying yourself interest. Now, if you're smart, you take that that money out, that loan, to go buy an asset that's going to produce you more money, right? So this is when you can invest in real estate. This is when you can go out and invest in other small businesses. Um, this is what I'm doing for my kids. Like I have IULs for both my kids. I got an IUL for myself, an IUL for my wife. And we're-, we're Tell maximum- them what an IUL is, because I did not cover, I did just whole life and term in the 101. Oh, we man. didn't go with universal, because I was like, uh, let me just start with the really basics. Oh man. Okay. So index universal life policies, these are permanent policies. They last up to age 120, 121, depending on the carrier that you're with. Um, But basically some of the money goes in to pay for the policy. Some of it accumulates uh, interest in the cash value. So anytime the market goes up, it's it's not directly in the market, right? So it's attached. You can have it attached to the S&P 500. You can have attached to, um, I think there's a, one of the carriers that I work with, I believe it's Fidelity and Anico, they allow you to attach it to like a Chinese Hang Seng or something like that. I don't remember, but you can attach it to their version of an S&P 500 if you're feeling risky. But the premise of it is anytime the market goes up, you get to participate in some of those gains. So, and anytime the market goes down, you don't lose anything. It's a 0% floor. Now there are options in there to where you can have it uncapped where there's a variation in it. So that I know with um, American National, they have like a four and a 4.5% variation creation on there. So you can participate. The market goes up 25%. Great. You make 19.5% or whatever four and a half percent is my, see, I told you I'm not really good with math, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you get to participate within a certain amount. The market goes down. Like we see on a cycle Our the money is always, it's locked in. All those gains are locked in all the time. So with an index universal life policy, you have your, your uh, cash value that accumulates. You still get the death benefit in there. And it also has living benefits. I don't know if you talked about living benefits on your podcast or not. No, we um, just we but, went real basic. I just wanted to explain the basics of life insurance with that one. Oh man. So I, living benefits is super easy. It's just anytime, if you become critically, chronically, terminally ill, you can access a portion of the death benefit while, while you're still alive. alive. Yep. Like my, if, when I learned about that, I cried. I straight up cried because my grandmother, she passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. And I was like, man, at, at the time, the only insurance I knew about was term. Anything that was permanent or had cash value, I was taught it was not any good. But when I found out about living benefits, I said, man, if I'd known about that, my grandmother would probably still be alive. She fought cancer twice. And in the end, she just said, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be with the Lord. And I wasn't there at her deathbed. Like, <laughs> it hurts. So when I found out about that, I said, man, I got to tell more people about this because it's powerful. And I know we don't want to go too much into living benefits, but it's it's tied into IULs, like depending on the carriers that you work with. Right. So I'm going to back up just for a second. I'm just going to recap really the infinite banking. And if you want to, I think the be your own bank, is that what it is? 
um, build your own bank. I'm trying to find the name of the actual book, but um, it, it is his name oh, is book, Nelson. I have it here. Yeah, his name is Nelson Nash. Um, I think it's called Becoming yeah. Your Own Bank. Becoming Your Own Banker. Yes, Becoming, Becoming Your Own your Banker. Own banker yep. Okay, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. He passed away not too long ago. He's only he's been deceased only a few years now. Um, so let me recap what he tried to explain or what he explained quickly. So you have a permanent life insurance policy, whether it's a universal IUL, regular UL, or a whole life policy. It is a permanent policy. So you have cash benefits in it. When you have those permanent policies, like I talked about before, you can always take loans. Once your policy grows to a certain amount and it has a cash value to it, you can always borrow from your own life insurance policy, okay? It looks similar to like when you borrow out of your own 401k. So when you take loans out of your 401k, people are pretty familiar with that concept. And you pay your 401k back your 401k charges you interest. So you're paying interest on the loan you took from your own 401k because it's, re it's replenishing your own account. It's re replenishing interest that you didn't gain while the money was away from the bank, okay? So when you borrow from your life insurance policy, you pay it back. So one of the examples like he uses in the book, say you wanna buy a car and your, your policy has $20,000 of cash value. So instead of going to a regular bank and getting a car loan, you go to your own life insurance policy, you borrow the 20,000 out of it to buy the car. Now, if you had borrowed the, borrowed the money from Chase Bank or whatever other bank, you got you know a 2%, 5% interest rate, whatever your credit was, the bank said you're gonna have to make 60 months of payments at this amount and you pay the money back. Every month you pay the payment. You do the same thing but you're not paying to back to the bank. You're paying back to your life insurance provider, whoever that company was. So, and you can make your own payments. That's the best part. So when you go to the regular bank, they're adamant, you're going to pay this much on this type of loan. So your, your balance is this much, your interest rate is this much, your payment is going to be this much. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna tell you what it is. When you make the payment back to yourself, you can kind of structure it however you want to. Do you want to pay $300 a month and get it paid off in 36 months? Do you want to pay $350 a month and get it paid off in 30 months? You know, you can structure it yourself, but you want to fully pay your loan back. When you pay the loan back plus your interest, the life insurance continues to grow because you're still making payments on it. So if your life insurance payment was $75 a month, even while you have the loan out, you're still paying the $75 a month to keep the life insurance policy in force and you're still getting cash value. But on top of that, you're paying back that $300 a month that you designated for your um, car payment. So you make those payments back. You're still paying your regular premium that you were used to the $75 a month. Once you pay back the $20,000, that is built back into your life insurance policy. It regains the $20,000. Plus it's gained some more because you've kept paying the regular premium. So now maybe it's worth 25,000. Now after three or four years and you've paid the 20,000 back, now you've got $25,000 of cash value. Now you want to buy a house and you need a down payment. So you pull the $25,000 out now, you put the down payment on your house, you do the same thing. You make yourself a payment plan, you repay your life insurance again, it grows in value some more. Some years down the line, you do something else with it. So you just continue this process over and over and over again. So you're always borrowing your own money. 
the the best benefit well not the best but you're you're it's it's your money so that's the best benefit but you don't have to qualify when you go to the bank again they're going to pull your credit can you borrow this much can you get this interest rate is this in your budget blah 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 the bank pay, take you don't you have to show your proof of income so pay stubs and letters from your job or whatever when you borrow from your life insurance absolutely no qualifications whatsoever the only thing they ask you is how much money do you want you have this much there how much do you want us to send you that's it there are no other questions there's no credit pools you don't do any other health exams nothing about your life insurance policy changes you call the life insurance company you tell them how much you need they send you the money you do whatever you want with it you don't have to even tell them what you're doing with the money they don't care it's your money you do what you want to do with it, but you have to be responsible enough to pay yourself back. That's how you become your own bank. And then it just builds and it builds and it builds. Um, the benefit with this or the best way to do it, of course, is to start your life insurance early because cash value, it can build slowly depending on what type of policy you have or how much interest it's gaining or what the interest rates are at the time. So um, the best way is to start the policy as young as possible. Now, thankfully, I started some for my daughter, but he talks about in the book, as soon as his grandchildren were born, all of his grandchildren, I don't know, at the time he wrote the book, he had like five or six grandkids, but at the, immediately when the children were born, he bought life insurance policies for them. And he bought pretty large policies. They were like a hundred thousand dollar whole life or two fifty. I mean, they were considerable policies. And he talks about how he paid the premium on behalf of the grandchildren for the first several years, um, because the parents were younger. So, you know, they probably couldn't afford to pay as much as he could pay, but he funded them for the first several years. And then he, he talks about, he signs them off to the children. So the, the parents of the grandchildren, he would sign over the policy. They became the owner of them. Um, he also talked about um, business, buying life insurance for business partners. So he had the farm and he had the forestry business. And uh, when his partner died, he talked about receiving the life insurance that funded more life insurance. I mean, it's just so much you can do. You guys, I really encourage you to get that book and read the book. It's a very easy read again. It's only like a little bit over a hundred pages. So I read the book in yep. like two days. I mean, it was, you know, it, it really had me engulfed. So I read through it really quickly, which is why I was able to read it a couple of times. And I work in this industry, but um, get the book and read it. They, these concepts that Danny and I are covering with you are really good concepts and they're really easy. And there has to be a reason why they don't share this information. <laughs> why this information is not, publicly shared public knowledge widely known you know i can just guess why they don't but it's not hard it's not a hard thing to do i can help you danny can help you i've got other people in the industry that can help you or you can read the book and help yourself i don't know it's did crazy. i miss anything with that <laughs> no like it, it ties in beautifully to what we first started talking about was creating that generational wealth like you take that the benefits from the original death benefit, you completely fund the policy and just wash, rinse, repeat and do it over and over again. The hard part is making sure that every generation does their part to continue it. This yeah. is how you create your Wilson legacy, how I create my Hernandez legacy, how the Rockefellers did theirs, you know, everybody did their part to make sure that the ball continued rolling. So we just got to make sure we're on it with it. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to see if I can 
make this maybe a, I don't know, a movement, a contest. I, I don't know. I want to like get some people together so we can work on this because since I've learned about it, I've worked on my own personal plan, of course, but I would like to have a lot of people working on this um, and the sooner the better. Just imagine a bunch of different families getting together, working together to create that generational wealth and just you'll have a whole, I remember reading an article about this family in um, Georgia that bought up a bunch of acres. Mm -hmm. They put their money together. I think it was like 40 some acres or whatever like that. Oh, like, man, out I here, the, um, uh, it's called Freedom Georgia. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. I went to their camp out. They did a, a camp out last, it was like the end of the summer last year. I went there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and they it's pulled like, man. together. Yep. How cool is that? Imagine being able to do that for your family, just buying up a whole estate somewhere, doing what you want, your land. There are so many ways that you can start a legacy. There are so many ways. And this is the, I, I mean, I want to say this is like almost the cheapest, fastest way to start it. Because of course, buying land, you need cash to purchase land. Um, you know, a lot of things you need a, a considerable amount of money just to get it started. But you can get everything started with a life insurance policy. So, <laughs> yep. you know, get the gains without the losses. Yeah, guaranteed. So that's, a, that's what exactly what my wife and I are doing for ourselves and our kids. Well, I just wish more people were proactive. I know. I know. I, you know, I hear all kinds of things. I know you're in the business now, so I know you've heard all kinds of things from, <laughs> from customers. Oh, they can, you know, somebody told me the other day, well, I own property. So my family can use my assets for my properties to bury me. Okay. And mm -hmm. I, I never get into the arguing. I never get into arguing or anything else, but okay. You own a lot of property and assets. That's great. But how long is it going to take them to sell a property? And you need to be buried in the next couple of weeks. Like they're not going to sell a property and get those proceeds within the next seven days to give to a funeral home to bury you. So that's not a smart plan as far as your burial. Maybe for other reasons, it will work out fine. But for burial, no, you're not going to sell a property and get a check and be able to bury somebody in 10 days. It just does not work like that. So, and they're going to freeze your bank accounts. Cool. If you're the only person on the bank account and you die, your accounts are frozen. They can't go to your checking account and take money out of it when you're deceased. So See, these, these plans don't work. <laughs> life insurance is asset and probate protected. Yes. So probate. like, it, oh my goodness. Probate so, and talk tax. hours on this stuff. Tax protected yep. guys. The check goes fully to you in your name, no tax implications and no probate, no judge. That's it. I mean, we could talk about all the benefits. Craziness. All right. So I yep. know you, we have to run, you've got other things you got to do. Um, any last minute, anything? Oh man, definitely pick up that book. Uh, outside of that, there's another gentleman on YouTube, uh, who I learn a lot from as far as strategies go. His name is Douglas Andrew. Um, he's one of my mentors as well. He talks a lot about using IULs and becoming your own bank. Just look on it. It's an affordable way to set your family up for generations. And it's something that you can do today. Okay. Well, thank you. Do you want to share your contact information? You know, I'm going to put in the notes how they can find you, but go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and tell them. Yeah, that Best way to reach me uh, is on Facebook or TikTok. I've been getting on TikTok lately um, at Money Magnet Dan, uh, sharing concepts on there. I was challenged by my mentors to be more proactive in my social media approaches. So TikTok at Money Magnet Dan. Uh, Instagram is uh, at Dan underscore Unleashed. 
And on Facebook, I believe is also, you can find me as Dan Hernandez or at Dan underscore Unleashed. Can I just ask what, I knew you as Danny and now you're Dan. So what is, what's your preference or <laughs> Dan, what's going Danny, on with Daniel, the name? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> okay. I originally was, I did Danny because uh, my family, all my close friends and family call me Danny. So that's perfectly fine. Um, but I, I had a mental barrier that I had to break through. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to recreate myself as a professional Dan, keep it short and sweet, Dan Hernandez. So because <laughs> I'm calling you Danny because I know Danny, but okay. You can be that's Dan. Fine. We family basically. So no, you can call me Danny. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thanks for I, having me, Kai. Oh, absolutely. I hope um, this helped with the life insurance. Again, I got a huge response on my life insurance episodes. I got a, a lot of responses. I got a lot of clients. I'm happy I was able to send you even one of the clients. Um, so I got a huge response, you guys, from the life insurance episodes. I really appreciate it. I feel that every financial plan should start with life insurance. So you're always going to hear that from me. It's guaranteed payout. Um, it's a set payment. We can make it that it's a set payment. It doesn't adjust at all. So every, you need to start your um, financial plan needs to start there. So again, Subscribe, like, share, ready, set, free. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Find me anywhere you can. Like, subscribe, share, comment. Please, you guys, interact with me. I love when people interact with me. I would really love for somebody to comment. I'm getting comments, they trinkle in here and there, but honestly, I get more one-on-ones that people say, oh my gosh, I really like that episode. And I love that you do that. Don't stop doing that. I love it, but I'm always shocked. I'm like, really, you listened? Uh, and I'll be honest, I have not checked my stats probably in at least two months now. So I mean, I know India was really taken off and I'm, I have listeners in all kinds of countries, but honestly, I've been so busy. I have not gone in to check the stats at all. Right now, I have no idea how many listeners I have. I have no idea where the listeners are. I don't know what the most listened to shows are from recently because I have not had time to check. But like, share, subscribe, review, please comment, interact with me, interact with Danny. Danny is always on social media. He is... Um, He's more consistent than I am. <laughs> he does a lot more lives. <laughs> he shares a lot of information. Um, so please contact him or contact me. I appreciate again you for coming. I hope everybody returns next week to another exciting episode of Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.